Hi, folks. John Baylor, soon to be joined by Mark Salisbury, my erstwhile humble co-host. There is some real meat in this podcast. We delve into what college shoppers overrate. What do they weigh way too heavily when choosing a college? Sure, these are factors. They're not non-factors, but young people and their parents give way too much emphasis to these issues. This is your On to College podcast, the podcast that finds the right college at the right price. Welcome to the On to College show with the founder of On to College, John Baylor, and the founder of Tuition Fit, Mark Salisbury. Every student deserves the right college at the right price. And every student can graduate with a two or four year college degree with minimal debt. Here are your hosts, John Baylor and Mark Salisbury. Greetings, everybody, and welcome once again to your On to College podcast, the podcast for getting into the right college at the right price. I'm the founder and owner of On to College, and across the way right there is the founder and owner of Tuition Fit, Mr. Mark Salisbury. Greetings. John, it's great to see you again. Today, Mark, we are going to identify what is overrated in the process used to choose colleges. What matters less than people think? And Mark, you've got some great data that shows that too often shoppers for college choose wrong. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. There's so much information out there and people throwing this and that at folks. I get it, but when you look at these numbers, it gets a little bit stunning. So 37% of college students transfer once, and then almost half of those students, 45%, transfer again. So they didn't even get it right the second time. (laughs) More to the point, when you zoom out even more and you ask adults, and Gallup has asked people this recently, ask Americans this, if you, if you could go back and do college again, would you do it the same? Would you do it any different? If 51%. I could turn, I was just about to sing a share song. <laughs> if I could turn back time. All right, 51%. What about 51%? 51% of Americans say they would change either the degree they got, the institution they went to, or their major. So there's something going on here that is making it harder for folks to pick the school that really is the right fit for them. Do not underestimate Cher. She was totally onto something. 51% would do it differently. In the words of David Bowie, ch changes. Meanwhile, you said earlier, 37% of students transfer and almost half of those transfer again. So we got to get this right the first time. Yeah, we certainly do. What then are shoppers, college shoppers, those interested in sending their children or children themselves looking for the perfect college at the right price, the right college at the right price doing wrong? Well, one thing I think is overemphasized is the future major. So much thought goes into what I want to major in. What do I think I want to major in? What are the best schools for that major? Whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, rankings for majors, flawed. I mean, how do the the ranking services really go into the classes at Swarthmore and at McAllister and at Bemidji State and and Cal State and and UC Davis and decide, okay, that's got a better history department than that school? I mean, come on. Those are flawed. And secondly, more importantly, young people, this, this is breaking news, young people often change their mind. Now, that's a shock. I can't believe that you said that. But it's, it's true. And in fact, if you, if you include folks that go to college and sort of are at least honest enough to say that they're undecided going in, mm. 
If you include those folks in this calculation, then 80% of college students change their major. 80%. So you take the ones that were undecided in the front end and then decided on something, and then maybe they changed again, but at least they started out with an undecided and then they pick something. And you add to them all the folks that came in saying, I know I'm going to be a doctor, even though I'm afraid of blood. And then they figure out, you know what? This isn't working too well as they've passed out and hit their head on a table on the way down. Those folks that change their major, you take them together and you've got 80% of college students change their major. So picking a college based on major that you're going to change that's nuts. Is there a time when it would make sense to actually give pretty high priority to the major? I would say when someone, it just, since the maternity ward has known what they want to do, and maybe it's entomology. I worked with a student once who just loved bugs. He knew he was going to study entomology. He eventually did study entomology. Well, there are like seven colleges at the undergraduate level that have entomology departments. That's a rare exception. Yes. Architecture. I mean, if you think you want to do architecture, you probably have to choose, unless you can go graphic design undergrad and then do architecture grad school. But if you got to do it at age 19, that's going to probably mean a big university with an architecture department. To me, that's the exception. What the rule should be is, hey, good quality education at a good price point. A lot more important than got to have a specific major. There's, there is a, there's a whole bunch of ways to get to virtually every career. So folks that think that you have to jump on a line and that train and there's no getting off that train no matter what, that's just not how it works. And if you're a student that just has always known or thought you always known that you wanted to do a very specific thing like entomology, well, it would be smart to do a little job shadow, go mm -hmm. talk to some people when they're when you're in high school and get a sense of that. And then if that's what you know, at least you know it from a more informed place than just sort of winging it. Also, just major in biology, which means you can go anywhere and then just do the master's in entomology. So yep. it's a little risky to get real specialized at age 19 because- it happens. It happened to me at junior prom. Your mind changes. <laughs> well, it's not a race to get old. And thank goodness for that, right? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a marathon. Meanwhile, number two, what is less important when choosing a college than people think? Well, we talked about major. And we can also talk about um, some of the statistics that people will, the institutions will show out there. And one of those statistics is the student-teacher ratio. You'll see it on the website all over the place, front and center. This school's got a 13 to 1 student-teacher mm. ratio. That school's got 11 to 1 student-teacher ratio. Oh. That school's got 9 to 1. Oh, my gosh. Problem is, is those numbers don't really mean a whole lot. Why because not? Because that has nothing to do with the size of the classes. So when you figure that out and you report that to the federal government, you basically take everybody that's your faculty and you put them in one pot and then you take everybody who's your student, you put them in another pot. When you're organizing the faculty, you don't pick which faculty are uh, on sabbatical or just research faculty. You don't do any of that. So you end up with a number that implies class size, but doesn't actually mean class size at all. Are you saying that students always take classes, but professors don't always teach them? Yep. That's exactly what I'm saying. Kaboom. So what's a better measure? How about this? I want to know 
number of students in the freshman English class. Hopefully every freshman is going to take English. I want to know a number of students. And if it's 18, okay. you got a smaller college where you have a great chance of adult relationships, adult mentorships, getting to really know the professor, being accountable every day to write and to read and to speak. Or is it, you know, between 21 and 45? Okay, in my opinion, that's kind of a mid-sized school. All right, hopefully with some effort, you can get to know the professor. There's some accountability, but it's getting a little bigger. Or is it more than 46? Because if you're, you know, 60 in a class, uh, not to mention 600 in a class, you can hide, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, typically. Mm -hmm. There are exceptions. So that's, to me, are your three uh, sizes. you got the small, which is 20 or fewer. Uh, The mid is the 21 to 45. And the 46 and above is, is your large. And the barometer is in the freshman English class. You agree? Yeah, you you want to be in, especially as a freshman, you really, you want to be in classrooms where you can connect with your classmates, connect with the professor, mm. and really start to learn how to sink your teeth into your education. You get into educational ex- settings as a freshman where you're just, a, you can be a zombie and you can sit in the back row and nobody knows the difference. And now you're creating an environment where it's just too easy to sit back, check your Facebook, tweet some stuff, and then not get anything out of it. Now, there's a spot that people can look. You got to look a little bit for this. But if you go to a school's website and look for what's called the common data set, you'll find in there something that gives you the proportion of classes at an institution that are less than 20, that are 20 to 30, 30 to 50, and then over 100. And you can see in there a little bit when an institution's got 90% of their classes are 20 and less versus 40% of their classes are 20 and less. It doesn't get at the freshman English question you mentioned earlier, John, but at least it starts to give you a sense of what proportion of the classes at this institution are smaller classes. And as a function of that, how much are you going to really be able to interact with your professors and get to know them? In your interview, hopefully you'll apply to some colleges that allow interviews of course always say yes you can ask at the end when they say any questions okay did you go here great okay how many students were in your freshman english class what's the average number so you can ask that verbally you can ask your tour guide verbally that question but your methodology going onto the website and and searching for common data set that gets you a lot closer than whatever this ratio is that really gives you a flawed skewed sense of to what extent you will get a lot of attention and a lot of accountability once you're a student there. Yep. That's a great way to go about it instead. And of course, I said it was a great way. And then I'm the guy who told you what it was. So I yes. just gave myself a huge compliment. Yeah. I feel better about me already. Yeah. I, a lot of things I do, I think are fabulous. That's Mark Salisbury and uh, from uh, Tuition Fit. I'm John Baylor from On to College. This is your On to College podcast. We've said that the ma- your choice of major and also this ratio of faculty to students, these are two issues that are overrated in the process of choosing colleges. They're less important than you think. And I'll throw one more in there, geography. Now, if grandma is in poor health, you're right, geography matters. You want to stay within 250 miles because you want to see grandma. But I see a lot of students who limit their options, their financial options as well, because they insist they've got to stay close. To me, it's it's all about comfort zone and not so much, oh, I want to stay close to my high school friends, which may or may not be a good choice, probably not a good choice. Um, it's just 
they know it's what they know. They've heard of these schools within 100 miles. They've heard of these schools within at most 150 miles. They haven't heard of some of the value colleges that we think are good deals like Central Michigan. I mean, Ohio State, everyone's heard of. Not everyone's heard of Central Michigan. You put up a decent score on the ACT, Central Michigan could be one third the cost right. of Ohio State. Yep. This is a this is one of those things where you know, you, people get hung up on, you know, and it's sometimes it's the other way around, John, where the kid says, I want to go far away from home no matter what. Send me to the coast. I don't care where it is. I just want to get away. Yep. And then you you create this idea of what that's going to be like. And, you know, it's it's not like everybody has bad days on the coast too, right? Like stuff mm. happens, right? Mm. Um, so geography, like location, distance from home, all that stuff. It's kind of one of those things where it's going to be a thing that if you turn it into a monster, then it's a monster. But if you do that, you constrain your options. And sometimes that's a really harmful thing to do. I'll give you an example. Countless students have told me at the at the beginning of our conversations regarding best college at the uh, best price that they have to go to a city school. Mm-hmm. I got to be in a city. I want to be in a city. Well, then I explain that, well, if you go to a city, it's you're going to get there are more distractions the professors typically are more distracted by outside opportunities opportunities beyond teaching undergraduates and i just kind of walk through some of the drawbacks i'm not saying don't go to a city school i you know i do stay also as a, uh, city schools typically have greater access to solid internships so there's some pluses and minuses but when they think beyond just that superficial visceral i want to be in downtown chicago i want to be in soho once they think beyond that visceral opinion and they start to realize whoa you know Ideally, you know, I'm going to go to a college that's that's uh, that's uh, has plenty of engagement on its own without providing outside uh, opportunities as well. They start to realize, hey, some of my better values, my lower costs, uh, my professors who would be more interested in teaching undergrads can be found elsewhere. Not always, but that's an example of how geography can become this monster. It doesn't have to be. Deeper thinking creates more opportunities. Yeah, at the end of the day, it really needs to be you're looking for a college experience that you spend a couple of years of your life, you grow a lot, and you're really plugged into doing well in your classes and connecting with your professors and connecting with uh, your community around you, whether it's the students alone in that community or whether it's the the folks that live around campus or, or whatever that is. And then you're going to make relationships uh, sort of outside that as you grow. But it's not the rest of your life. It's four years. And if you're really plugged in on that in that place, you're going to be pretty busy as it is. So all of the other stuff that's going on outside of, of, of campus, well, that very easily could be a distraction one way or the other that doesn't really matter that much. I'll throw this in there regarding geography. If you know you want to be in a certain area of the country or world, you know you want to end up in New England. You know you want to end up in Atlanta. It doesn't hurt to start the journey by getting to a college near there. But how many of us know where we want to be geographically for the next five decades? That, again, to me is a little atypical. So mm-hmm. it's I, we're not saying these are non-factors. We're saying that these are exaggerated factors that get excessively weighed in the calculus of what is the right college at the right price. One thing that we know from lots of research on how people end up being successful later in life is – that it turns out that it's a lot smarter to go someplace where you're a bigger fish in a smaller pond mm. than it is to try to uh, get to be a place where you're one of the smaller fishes in the big pond. You're talking the John Stockton syndrome. 
John Stockton got recruited to all these big universities. He goes to a small one, Gonzaga. He got to be a huge fish, super confident, joins the NBA. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. There are tons of UCLA backup point guards and Louisville backup point guards that got much more highly recruited than John Stockton did that you've never heard of. Small fish, big pond typically doesn't engender the confidence you want when you eject, when you launch that big fish, small pond should. That's right. Mark Salisbury, Tuition Fit. I'm John Baylor. On to college. Producer extraordinaire right here as well, Mr. Adam Pieper. This is your On to College podcast, the podcast for finding the right college at the right price. In the very near future, what are the questions that need to be answered that are underemphasized, that are more important than you think when choosing a college? We'll see you next time on the On to College podcast. This has been the On to College show. Every student deserves the right college at the right price. And every student can be a two- or four-year college graduate with minimal debt.